Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm Daryl Urbanski, as always. Today, we have a very special guest, and I know they say that often, and it's because everyone I bring on board, they really are heavy hitters. They really are people who have accomplished great things, and they really are people who have a lot of value to give us. And today, I'm very, very honored by our guest. Here, we're joined by Jermaine Griggs. He's the CEO and founder of HearAndPlay.com, a company that's helped tens of thousands of people learn how to play music by ear without having to read sheet music. He also has a couple of other endeavors. Um, but just some of his accolades, he's two-time marketer of the year, uh, once with Infusionsoft, another time with Marketing Sherpa. He's recognized as a man of character by the Boy Scouts of America. He's a self-made man with a multiple seven-figure business. In my honest and sincere opinion, he's in the top 3% of marketers in the world, and I say that having spent personally almost $100,000 on coaching and consulting and books and courses and seminars and conferences. Jermaine really, really, really knows his stuff. He's a marketing automation guru, a direct response guru, a branding guru. He's a great father, a great husband, has three beautiful children. And when Jermaine talks, everybody listens. And I really hope that you pay attention. You take some notes. Um, I'm going to try and get as much out of his head as I can on this call today, um, but I know you're going to have a great time because you've got a phenomenal personality. Jermaine, thank you for joining us. Hey, Daryl. I am thrilled to be here, and I do a lot of these interviews, but uh, not a lot of them with people I consider good friends of mine, uh, so this is just an honor for me. Mm, yeah, it's some feelings mutual, bud. So, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're good friends, and, and I know your story pretty well, but for the people that are listening in here, maybe could we talk a little bit about how you got started? Because it's, it's just such an awesome story, man. It, it's Yeah. I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, I, I consider myself like an old young man at this. Uh, <laughs> um, you mentioned my hear and play business. I mean, that officially got started 15 years ago, but the story really starts at least seven years before that. So I'm one of those, like, childhood entrepreneurs, and every once in a while you, you hear a story, and, you know, the guy got started at seven, eight years old. Well, I feel like I qualify for that that story because, uh, for me, it actually started when Grandma, she won this piano off the Price is Right, and some people may have heard it uh, if you follow me or see me in the Infusionsoft community, but she won this piano in the 70s, even before I was born. And this piano is like an emblem in our family to this day. And I would just grow up admiring her play it and just picture like an old lady playing like she had this church gospel style uh, that meets Ray Charles's blues. And, and she would like tap her, her right foot. And then I would go beat on the pots and pans. I'd take out like pots, boiling pots, and put them on the couch and make drumsticks out of whatever I could find, tree branches. And there we were, like a little duet, grandma and her grandson. And so one day I actually hopped on that piano and found out that I, too, had a knack for playing it and started with Disney songs and then started with church songs because I was just a ra- a born and raised in the church. So I played a lot of church songs. And then a couple years after that, 
created a, a kids group, and we would travel around the local community singing church songs and then playing for church, and then that escalated into parents wanting to uh, have their kids learn under me. So I'm a teenager with like a little, you know, mini practice, if you will, a piano studio, traveling to people's homes, and then uh, someone said, uh, you ought to put this on the Internet. And back then, I mean, we're talking AOL 2.0, 2.5, and right. so modem connection, 14.4K. <laughs> a lot of people don't even know what that is. You know, it was funny. I know. You know, to, to interrupt your story, but it was funny the other day. Uh, where was it? No, you weren't there. No, you were there. We showed your kids cassette tapes, and we we're like, what are these? And they had, they had no <laughs> idea. So anyone, before the night the we have now, there was dial-up, and it was slow, it was clunky, black and white computers. Anyway, sorry, keep going. I just thought that was... No, that's right. That was the <laughs> landscape in which, you know, I launched here and play, August 6th, the year 2000, and uh, it was with the vision and, and dream to, to introduce the people my style of playing to really be a resource to all the players out there that didn't go the traditional routes, that didn't learn sheet music. Maybe Beethoven and Bach, it didn't resonate with them because, you know, playing in the church or playing in bands, playing in situations where you're free to just or need to play on your own and play what you feel, well, yeah, create. There's not a, really a lot of resources out there for that. And even to this day, you can get into to debates with people saying you should reach e-music versus playing by ear. So I wanted to cater to the play by ear. That's the name, hear and play. And that's that was the, the dream. That's how we got started. But it wasn't easy in the beginning. I know you're probably going to ask me about that. But mm-hmm. that was it. I started, you know, 20-some-odd years ago. And here I am, 15 years after that, at 31, doing the same thing uh, with a passion for teaching the world how to play not just piano now, but guitar, drums, organ, singing, and really going to change uh, the way people learn with our next invention. So just looking forward to that. And, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I know, I know you're going to ask me about some of the challenges because I don't want to paint the picture that it's always been easy, mm-hmm. right? But uh, like Grandma said, not where I want to be, but I'm so thankful I'm not what I used to be. Yeah, no, that's true. And we've all had a lot of challenges, and I know some of the ones that you've gone through. Um, Kind of, I mean, what were some of the big, big ones? Because, yeah, back in the day, I mean, before you went online, is that where you were getting most of your order sales from? Or how, like, because you were, you you know, you were in university at the time, and I think you, I think in the beginning you said, like, you were selling maybe, like, 20 of your workbooks a month or something, and uh, that was online, but was, were you just, like, you know, just, just selling them at the church? Or how else were you trying to make sales in the early days? When the very early days, uh, the sales came from my actual students. I didn't know what the word leverage meant back then, but it, it, uh, it, it's not surprising that today I'm, I'm like the automation guy and the leverage guy because back then I said, I'm not, I don't want to teach the same stuff every week to these knucklehead kids. I didn't call them knucklehead kids, but you get the point. I don't want to show up every week. Uh, you know, my personality wasn't, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a fast starter. I'm a, I don't stay focused like that, you know, so to do the same thing, I quickly noticed I need to put this in a workbook. So that, that's how I actually got the concept for my first product. I already had it in the local community, and I just kind of, you know, reshaped it to sell it online. And so we put that online, August 6, 2000. I had my first order by, like, October. It, only a couple months went by I had my first order. And I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. And then a month after that, I'm up to about five orders a, a month. So, you know, I sold them for like 50, 60 bucks. You're talking just a few hundred dollars. And I'm still in high school, not even university. Right. And uh, then I, I'd go to university and we'd get up to about 10 orders a month. And my girlfriend, who's my wife now, she'd help me go buying the books. And we're on on-demand shipments. You know, the order came in, we go bound them, go to Mickey D's, have some lunch, and then I drop her off at home. <laughs> That's right, hey. That's the, yeah, probably a king back in that day. You got a business, you're in high school. What I love about your story, yeah. though, is that you had something that you verified offline, that you had you had students, you know, like it was might have been grunt work, I guess, in the beginning, but you're like, yeah, it was what I was already teaching, but I needed a way to keep yourself consistent, and you put it in the manual, and then you went and put it online. I just like how, like, grassroots and organic that was um, in the early days and how you started. Right, and it, it really it really speaks about just getting things in motion. Success is attracted to activity. It's not that you got to know all the answers. I think people get hung up on their analysis paralysis, and they do it in the name of, I want to do it right. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. But oftentimes, 
waiting that waiting costs you that waiting is a, is an expense is a, is a, is a is a is a um what do you call it a replacement cost or an opportunity cost you know yeah. by by waiting in the name of research and, and planning versus me i was willing and maybe my age has something to do with it my naivety but i was willing to just get out there and do it uh, even the wrong way because you can always correct something in motion but you can't do anything that doesn't exist yet so just do it like nike says just do it and i did at 17 years old i did it i had five cells and then 10 cells but again you know i had bigger sites you talk about a kid who had been doing business for for at least you know seven years you know selling stuff and i sold avon i didn't even talk about that with you i was that kind of kid so (laughs) that five ten orders (laughs) i saw more than that daryl so that was my struggle. I didn't have any money. I only had $70. That, that's what started here and play with $70. But beyond that, I didn't have money to put in marketing. or uh, Not that there was even uh, that many pay-per-click engines to work with. I think we had GoTo.com. This was even before AdWords. That gives you a perspective. It was GoTo.com. Was, it was like the, the pay-per-click of, of choice. Uh, right. But I didn't even have the money. It didn't even matter because I didn't have the money. Uh, so I think one of the biggest problems is that time versus money pendulum. And, you know, oftentimes when you don't have the money, uh, you have the time. And so you have to, to seek out ways and very creative guerrilla strategies to, to do things. And once you get that first set of money, it's what you do with that, that first set of money that comes in. You know, rather than getting excited and spending it, that money has to be reinvested back to get you to that paid side as quick as possible because the, the, the free side, is, you know, there's no leverage there. It takes time. It takes resources, energy. You oftentimes burn out trying to do things on the free side where on the pay side you get that immediate scalability. So really the, the, the challenge is getting to that paid side right away, and, and, and your economics can do that for you. And so that's kind of where I was at 17, and it didn't happen for me until uh, 18 months after that. Got it. And, you know, and I love, I, I really like what you said there is so brilliant because, yeah, this was pre-Google, but advertising is advertising. And I really think this is an important point because everyone's all about crazy about online marketing. And online, all it is is just a very efficient medium. It's actually, from my understanding and from the, 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 the projects I have been involved in, it hasn't performed nearly as well on a percent ROI basis as other other mediums when you get them to work. But it's so efficient that it's it's the most, so the most efficient but it's the least effective and efficient in that you can target people, you can target them at certain states of mind, send someone a letter, you don't know how they're feeling when they get it, right? You don't know that stuff, but you can put a site, you know, you can you can put your ad up on a site with people that are smiling, you're going to be happiness.com, and so you know people that are coming there, you know, if they're, they're either coming there to feel a certain way, so it's so, much, so efficient, but so ineffective, but you're right, paid media is the fastest way to grow and scale a business, and it's funny because I literally, just before this interview, was uh, just chatting with a, a potential client that's he's in Spain right now and he's hitting the same thing you know he's doing all this free stuff and this JV stuff and this strategic alliance stuff and he's just sitting on the fence because he just like you know he's like I'm not sure if I want to try to make paid traffic work and I'm you know the problem with that is you know if you're only if you're an on if you're an organic person if you have like a location in a mall and then you're dependent on the foot traffic that comes through there how who's driving the foot traffic if you're not controlling that then you've got very little control over your business and the results you're going to get if you're in the search engine the Google search engine um and you know that you're ranked second or first and there's only 10,000 searches a month then you're limited by that and the same thing if you have JV partners or strategic alliances how often can they promote you without exhausting and annoying their people but if you can get paid media to work now you can start looking for pockets of people like in the universe, like all over the country, you can reach out and now you can access the churn and the churn. By that, I mean all the new people coming into the market and people, because people constantly churn, they come in and out of the market and it's really hard to access those people if you can't pay to be in front of them and be like, again, in these pockets of where they are. And anyways, just to speak to what you said, because I think it's so, so, so important what you said and so many people miss that and you are like a guru at that. What was, what was your EPC for the campaign, for the, for your launch? You had like, 200 and what was it 232 epc this was when was this, this was like yeah my, my latest automation clinic launch it was like 227 it's you know and it was a small list compared to my here and play and there's just a couple thousand people but the money that we generated without any jvs without any partners without anybody mailing no solo broadcast 
just a, a couple thousand people on a list, a targeted list of Infusionsoft users in the automation community. And when you did the math on revenue to people engaged in that campaign uh, or per click, Two hundred, two hundred twenty-seven dollars, and <laughs> yeah, compared to what five or six dollar EPCs, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here in place, not not too far away, the numbers work obviously different there, but relative to you know cost per click and cost per lead, you know that, that's profitable. And back to what you said, I totally agree. You know, I, I'd rather take the control and the autonomy. You know, like that foot traffic scenario. You're yeah. having to rely on the malls marketing or or the amount of people coming in versus having the power and the freedom to generate, you know, customers, clients, business at will. And that's the thing that gives me freedom. I know not every entrepreneur feels the way I feel and, and like yourself going to bed at night because I go to bed with peace, peace of mind. I never have to think, what if my customers don't come tomorrow for here and play? What if I'm just living a dream? Where, where do all these customers come from? There, there are people that go to bed and have no idea where their customers come from. You know, maybe, maybe they've got some buzz. Maybe something went viral on social media. Maybe they got on Oprah. Maybe they've got some publicity, and, and they do. They have. They they tip that tipping point, and but they really don't know where their customers come from. They're like they're living a dream, and, and but it still bothers them at night because they don't have that control. And at any given day, there's that feeling that what if all this goes away? But see, I never feel that way. If here and play disappears, if automation clinic disappears, I feel I have a talent and a skill to go create, and that's the difference between proactivity and reactivity. I'm proactive about it. So I think moving to that paid and even uh, bigger than that, just being able to convert, just studying conversion and sales and persuasion, that's probably the best thing that a, a budding entrepreneur can do is just learn how to sell and how to convey and communicate in a way that makes people desire and want your product and move them to action. And when you develop that skill, you can almost fill in the, the blank of what you're offering and what solution you're solving. So that was something I didn't know in the beginning, though, Daryl, because when I first put up my website, what is the, the, the normal thing to do? Well, you know, you look at you get these catalogs in the mail, and you're like, okay, I'm going to put a photo. So I took a photo of my um, books, and then I did four sentences, like 300-page workbook and CD teaches you how to play the piano, you know, act now, and then I crossed out the, the, the retail price, and I put the, the sale price, and then there was a PayPal button, which was x.com back then. Some people don't know that. And then they <laughs> clicked the buy. And even that, doing it that way with four sentences and a book, thinking, you know, the catalog model, even that still produced five to ten sales a month. Mm -hmm. uh, but my tipping point was when I really, the advice that I'm giving out right now, I took that advice, I stumbled onto direct response marketing, and that was all she wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you made just with some enhances and changes, you started just doubling and tripling your sales and growing and growing. But what were some of the early challenges you had? I mean, you've been through all the stages of a business, you know, through to maturity. Kind of what were the kind of biggest? What were the biggest upsets for you? The biggest challenges? The because exactly like we said, there's there's always them. Nobody. If you ever see someone that it looks too easy, there's something wrong with the picture. You know, there's. I mean, it might be that easy for them now, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just. Just, I just want to say that for people because I know I hear that a lot. People are like, like they try to put me on a pedestal. And I'm like, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm just active. Like that's it. Like I fail all day, every day. Um, and I know you. Well, I don't know if you do that much anymore with your campaigns. But I know in the beginning you probably had campaigns that you do, and you're like, well, you know, there's no sales from that. But whatever. And it's just getting back up to bat, and it's day by day building those, stacking those bricks. It's how you build a wall. Um, but so, sorry, back to you, but what were some of the big challenges that you had with here in play, like from the early days kind of on? Right. Um, well, back to that free versus paid, you know, pendulum, I'm only swinging on one side of that, you know, as a, as a teenager, so I don't have any money. And so it's just the, the frustration and the speed at which, you know, the sales and the revenues come. And it can be discouraging. I think, you know, age had a lot to do with it, uh, you know, mm. being in a position where, you know, I, I could wait. You know, we're talking 16 months here. And, you know, somebody well off into maybe a career or a day job or nine to five, they're not willing, you know, they may not be willing to, to wait, you know, six, 16 months. Most people give up. They give up. They, they hear these gurus talk about making money overnight, and, and when they don't make it overnight, they surrender. They give up. They, they fall back. They go back to the status quo. 
So, you know, whether you're young, whether you're old, it doesn't matter. I think the the thing is the same. You got to be committed. You you have to try things. You have to be willing to to fail. So, for me in the early days, um, you know, I was having to do a lot of message board interaction and and I would have to post on forums. I started uh, news groups, I started Yahoo groups. I did a lot of link directory uh, adding of my website. Uh, they had free-for-all link pages back then, which don't exist today. Um, bulletin boards, chat rooms. I mean, it was all that, that AOL 2.0 stuff that existed for us. Uh, um, but uh, I, I started a list at uh, Yahoo Groups. I was a moderator. That was my early version of AWeber and FusionSoft because uh, mm-hmm. it would house my list. And as moderator, I could mail that list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the the three to five sales that that was the frustrating part, um, and, and you would say, wow, that's great. You're only seventeen, eighteen, but still, you know, mm-hmm. people working a day job making making more than that. You know, mm-hmm. part time job making more than that. So for me, I think it it the solution to that came when I asked a better question. I think Tony Robbins says, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you want to you want a better answer, ask a, a better question. And so I started actually researching how to grow sales. I didn't know what I would stumble onto uh, soon, but how to grow your sales, how to increase your website sales, how to increase your website awareness, things like that. And I stumbled across a man named Corey Rudel, and he's not with us anymore. He died in a car accident in 05, but he was one of my first mentors online. I bought his course for $200 that I didn't have. I, I don't know where I scraped, scraped that up, but uh, it was somewhere, maybe on a, my first credit card I got in college or something, but I scraped that up. It was like January 2002, and it was called The Insider Secrets to Marketing Your Business on the Internet, and I bought that thing, and it was introducing me to a world that I had only seen in a limited fashion before. Like he was saying, okay, if you've got a catalog site, which I had, he's like, switch that thing to a 26-page sales page. Like he, he was like, you know, you got to have this headline at the top, and, and it's usually going to be bigger, and you may even want to make it red. And I was like, red? And then he's in it. Started with discover how to or seven ways to or seven mistakes, and he was giving me all these headlines. I was like, oh, this is a lot different than my book and picture, and you know, four sentences. And then he was like, you have to start by saying, dear, you know, musician or whatever, and then you have to like relate to them, and then you have to talk about why they're frustrated. And I was like, I do, and then I have to write this long letter. So I, I wrote it. I followed this formula. I put credentials where the credentials said. Well, I didn't have any credentials, so I just listed all the accolades I got in high school because I was like school president. It was so cute. I was like, he's been recognized by the school board. I didn't tell him why, but you know, I said, <laughs> I didn't say he was on the honor roll. I just said he was recognized. I mean, everywhere he gave the formula, I found out how to apply it to me. I didn't do what most people do and say, oh, why that doesn't apply to me because I'm selling real estate. No, I found out how it applied to me, and 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 within a week, I had a 26-page sales letter. I gave it to my college roommate. He said, dude, no one's ever going to read that. Gave it <laughs> to my right. sweet mates. <laughs> he said, dude, they said, dude, what are you doing? Your site is making sales. Aren't you happy? And uh, and I, I, I ignored all that. And I remember by March 2nd, I was ready to go live. And I had a new product and all that stuff. And that day, I, I released it. And I released that new sales page. And I woke up that next day or that next day we would go on to create $1,100 in sales in one day. And this was something I didn't do in two months. Yeah, that's life-changing. That's a life-changing moment. And I, I remember I remember the first time I had a hundred, like six figures in my bank account. I think I cried. I remember messaging you. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, sorry, but that's life-changing for you. So um, so then after that, obviously, it's grow, it's go time, right? So then how do you manage your growth? Right. So finally, that day was my turning point from the free side of the pendulum, which is the slow way to grow, Mm -hmm. to now I have, you know, $8,000 for which I never had more than like a few hundred dollars in the bank. So now I have like 8,000 and then it grows to 10,000. And then in that day, 18, 19 years old, you know, I've got I've got more money than I can deal with. Like to me, that's a lot of money coming from where I grew up, you know. <laughs> uh, 
so now I immediately recognize, you know, I think it was chapter seven or something. He starts talking about the leverage of paid media. He starts talking about pay per clicks. And again, I don't even think Google AdWords came out until maybe even that, maybe that year it came out or maybe the year before. But we're talking infancy stages of all of this. So I go to goto.com, which became Overture, which became Yahoo Search Marketing, which now is like Ad Center. That's the evolution of that. And I start bidding on words, 10 cents, you know, per click. And it would even show you what your advertisers are bidding back then. It was much more easier than now. Like you could see nine cents. Okay, I'm gonna come in at ten. Right. And now the traffic starts coming in consistently, like five hundred visitors a day. Mm. And we're getting like five, seven sales, you know, sometimes ten sales a day. So you know, we're at like three hundred, four hundred dollars mm. uh, a day now, a consistent, you know, six figure annually. And, uh, and, and, and that's where everything I learned now, this was like the, I don't know what phase you could call it, but that's where we started our affiliate program after that. And we started getting those kinds of partners. And then we started our organic SEO. We hired an SEO company. And so the big deal there is when you do, when you make your transition, you, you've got to be smart with how you use that money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you have to reinvest that money in your early stages. It's not the time to party. And I did, I mean, we went like on a Catalina trip and all that stuff. But when I came <laughs> back to my senses, <laughs> I was like, I need to put this money uh, back into the business. And, and that's what I did, and we were able to grow it, you know, from uh, the $200,000 to the next year, like $400,000, and then, you know, we would hit uh, seven figures, and then we would hit multiples, and then we would branch off into other instruments and genres, and I would branch off to doing business speaking and, and speaking from the stage and automation clinic, and, and, and that's kind of the start, and, and here I can turn around 15 years saying I'm still doing that same thing, and many people can't say that. No, and that's something. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a common theme to your story as well. Is just first of all, it's just hours invested and and kind of some pig-headed determination and mentorship. And I mean, you and I, we both sign checks that we can't cash just to get the information we need so we can implement and do what we need to do. And it's not the right decision for everyone. But if if it was something that for both of us, I think were turning points. Um, and it def- definitely doesn't seem easy. I mean, that's a really good logical progression. What were some of the upsets that you had? What were, what were some of like, did you ever have like a, I don't know, does, was there any big fears in what you, when you were growing the business? Were there concerns? How did you know what to reinvest your money into, like in the growth? Because I think that's something that a lot of people are thinking right now and they hear you like reinvesting it. Like, okay, well, where do I put it? Right. Well, for me, um, I guess I was naive and um, enough to take one man's course or program and I think it was like I don't know 20 chapters in that and when he said do this I did it now <laughs> people wouldn't know Corey Rudo back then uh, some people maybe listening won't, won't have the benefit of being around around that time so you're talking a guy who's making seven eight million dollars in 1999 you know mm-hmm. and then his business would go to like 25 50 million dollars at his death even without him being around and then it would off because you know how that works when the founder goes. Um, but he was the man. He he. Oh, put it this way: internetmarketing.com. He owned that domain name. Like he owned that. That's like owning cars.com. You know, he owned his perfection. He right. owned it. So I, everything he said. You know, if, if chapter three was starting an affiliate program and here's the software you need to go buy. Well, what do you think Jermaine did? I had the money. That wasn't the problem. Now I had some money to put into it. I bought. I bought his associate track. You know, I bought I bought what he told me to. And then when he said, you know, go to goto.com and here's how to bid on your words, I bought it. When he said, um, you need to in- invest in organics and here's the directories to get on and pay the annual fees, I bought them. You know, so I, I went down that progress and then I, I would find other people to listen to and other consultants. And, and I wasn't afraid to actually hire out. Um, I remember the first time someone, uh, an SEO company locally, and not all SEO companies are created equal, by the way, but yeah. this one, you know, $500 a month still, you know, you know, having not had money that long, $500 a month was an investment. And, uh, you know, I signed on that, that dotted line, uh, you know, and I, was, I wasn't afraid to put money in places 
to grow the business. I didn't see it as an expense. Don't even my accountant. I said, don't call it an expense. And he was like, who do you think you are? I said, it's an investment. You know, I never like like seeing it as an expense. Uh, an office chair is an expense, but anything I do for marketing to create more money, that is an investment. And I look at it the same way as a real estate person. See, people they separate. They they think buying real estate and putting a down payment. You know, that stuff is the investment. No, everything I do in my business, I look at it the the, the same way. And and when you compare that way, there's no other means of creating wealth that can be compared to the ROI of of marketing an effective business. And that was one thing Corey told me, and I don't know if it affected my viewpoint, but I asked him, I said, you know, what kind of real estate do you invest in? Because I wanted to know, what, what else do you do? And he was like, I don't do, I don't do anything, anything of that because when I can put $100 in my business and it makes 10000 tell me what other thing does right. that. Yeah. You know, I put a million. In, yeah. <laughs> What's that, Dale? I said, yeah, where else am I going to get that ROI? So, sorry, but yeah, you say where's he going to put a million somewhere? Right. Yeah, well, for him in his language, he puts them in somewhere and it turns into 10, you know. And there's something to be said about long-term and appreciation and that stuff. But, you know, he, 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 he got me thinking in the early time, like, you know, he's like, stock market, these people are making 10% of their money. Jermaine, with, with what we know, we can make 10,000 times on our money, you know, 10x very easily you know that's not hard to do you know so that that's kind of where i went now my challenge is i was always in school i always said i told i told people um as of 2005 i was a full-time student so my business was never my 100 percent full focus you know turning in these papers and staying true to my commitment to my grandma to graduate you know college and become a lawyer you know because she didn't get this here and play 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 in here what, what's this website music and play and play in here and what cut and dream like she just every time she she thought because it had an end in it she had my name right i was like grandma here and play you know and it's always that dreamer having to you know convince his family that this is this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. Laugh right. at me all you want. This is it. Right, because they can't and see it, right? They don't see it at all. They can't see it. Yeah. Right. They, they can't see it. So um, I had to hire family. I mean, well, not family. That's what I did. That was a struggle. <laughs> but I had to hire people. I had to hire people. Now, those people, you could synonymously take people and put family because that, that's what I automatically did. I hired family. So that was my huge struggle, 19 years old, managing my own mom, my sister, mm. my aunt, you know, my friend in college. And so that created a struggle. Now uh, the marketer becomes the manager, and anybody listening to me that can relate knows that marketer doesn't automatically equate to manager. Entrepreneur mm. doesn't mean C-level, you know, manager yeah. or executive. Those things they aren't the same thing at all. In yeah. fact, they're oftentimes two different people, you know, yeah. the visionary, and then there's the how guy, you know, or, or, or girl. And uh, that was a struggle for me, you know, getting an office and now having like six, seven employees and managing and payroll, and, and those things came in and actually slowed me down. It was like I longed for the day when it was just me, mm. you know. But um, but that everybody everybody hits that, and then you get, you get to this um, – you know, you get to this, and I remember 2007, I actually cleaned house. I fired everybody except for two, you know, yep. uh, and that was a hard day, bringing, like, all your aunties one by one. It was like, uh, like I, I had, in my head, I was like, okay, 30 minutes, like 11 o'clock, okay, I got to fire aunts, you know, so-and-so. <laughs> 11.30, I got to fire, <laughs> you know, my mom. <laughs> and then, so, and I know that sounds bad. It just sounds bad listening to it. I mean, I still helped her out outside of, of the business, but right. I, I, I remember that was one of the hardest days of my life. Yep. Um because it wasn't it wasn't working. I mean, it was like it, it, you you clean house and your marketing still works. So while these people around, you know, just twiddling their thumbs and having office drama. So I learned that at an early age, uh, and I probably would not hire people very very close to me. And I think there is a fear of outsiders for some entrepreneurs, and I have that fear to this day. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, no, and that's that's awesome. And you talked so you mentioned a couple of things here that I think like where did leverage really step into it? Like, what were some of the key leverage points? Because that was one of the things that I really admired. I mean, first of all, I first saw you was you were on stage, um, and that was when you won Marketer of the Year. 
um, for Infusionsoft. But I, and I remember, first of all, I was like, wow, this guy's actually built what everyone talks about. I can't believe it because I've never seen it. It's been this white elephant unicorn that people talk about, but no one really seems to show. It's like, it's like the, you know, they never tell you what to open the box, but they just keep telling you what's in there. And you were like, here's the box, almost even like you're doing now on this call. But another thing that really, really impressed me was just your, you, what you said before about leverage. Do you have any, like, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, do you have any like rules about leveraging that? Like, cause you, when you do something, anytime you do something in marketing or anytime you create any kind of content, you know, and I, I just went through this with a friend who was planning a, a holiday, like a special promotion. And I just, we had a conversation about like, what's your goal? How much money do you want to make? And then we reverse engineered what like resources they had. And there was no way they could make that in this one-off promotion. And then that, my, my suggestion was to not do I can't, like such a like such a restricted promotion if that was the goal instead do something that they could right like something that had longer like a longer lifespan that could you know what I mean like instead of just rushing to get a Valentine's Day promotion in and make a hundred bucks if your goal is to make ten thousand then let's build a campaign that will actually make ten thousand dollars and so but you're so good at that that leverage mindset I mean if, for people listening to the call Jermaine is like the only person I really know that lives the four hour work week Tim Ferriss does not live the four hour work week he wrote the book <laughs> but if you know how that book got launched there was, and this is no, because I mean, by all means, a ton of respect for what he's built, but he didn't build that with four hours a week. He was like going to conferences and seeking out bloggers and like, he was like hustling to get that off. And maybe he was making, you know, enough money to kind of, you know, just, and I know guys that do that too. They live in Thailand, they make a couple thousand dollars a month and, you know, they're living like Kings, but that's not something you can retire on. That's not like a legacy you can build and give to your children for you with what you've built. If like, heaven forbid, let's knock on wood. If you know, you were to pass away, um, but you, like if your family wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know how to shut anything off. Your marketing's running. Like people, people would, the world wouldn't even know for like a couple of years. And so when you create content, do you have like, anyways, I, I'm rambling, but how do you, I don't know. Can you share some of your insights around leverage? Cause whenever you do something, you like dice, you're like an Indian that will like kill a Buffalo and like use everything on it. Like when you create something, you like, yeah, you get like 15 uses out of it. Um, yes, that that's my philosophy, and it, it goes back to how I came up in this. You know, as a full time student, never always having to make sure things were efficient. You know, managing people, having to make sure I had systems and things in place. I would accidentally fall into that stuff. But yeah, these days, you know, like Jim Rohn says, I always begin with the end in mind. So if I'm producing content, I'm like, okay, I can write the content. Uh, but then I'm already at the kind of, if you look at the chain of how things flow down, written is probably at the bottom because it's hard to produce something from written without doing more work. I can read my written work and turn it into an audio, but I have to read it, right. you know, and I can do a video for my written content. Now I need a you know, teleprompter and I have to do it. Right. But if I start at a video, then as you know, we can extract the audio and from there we can extract the transcripts. From there, a writer, an outsourced writer can turn that into four or five articles and we can push that into our follow sequences. So something as simple as that, just the order in which you do things. You know, a video, speaking from energy units out of Jermaine Griggs, it's one video, and then I pass it forward on the chain. You know, mm -hmm. Henry Ford gave us the assembly line, but people before that, you know, one guy was having to build the entire car and, had, you know, had to, and, and that was obviously a slower, less efficient way to do it, and he came along and he introduced the assembly line, which I believe wasn't even new for for that that time. That that, and and that just revolutionized the industry. And I think of myself as oftentimes the beginning of the assembly line, but I need not be at every step if I set things up appropriately. And uh, and so that that's just the content part. And the great thing about the triple, I call it like the triple threat in content. You know, you got a video, you got an audio, and you got a written format. When you go out and generate leads. Right? Mm -hmm. uh off the bat, you've got three different things to test because now you can test modalities. I won't begin to tell you that uh, uh, there are people that don't like video. You think video is the highest perceived value of the three, but some people like to read it. Some people don't want to sit through a 20-minute video. So now it gives you three different things to test, and then when you deliver the, the whatever it is that they gave you their email for, now it gives you three different reasons to follow up. People miss that part, right? Mm. We teach follow-up, and we teach, you know, like, 
for example, an infusion shop, I can say, hey, Daryl hasn't clicked to go get my free report. Let me send him a reminder, right? That's easy to do now with, mm-hmm. with the basic CRM. Even AWeber can do that. You know, these, these, these programs are tracking, you know, email clicks. And so I can have, like, worst-case scenario emails that, you know, they'll go out a day later. Hey, Daryl, make sure you go download the report. Or I noticed you didn't download the report. And then two days later, same thing. Well, those can have a tendency to get a little nagging, you know, like grandma calling you up, you know, saying, be careful when you cross the street. And I'm like, grandma, I'm 30 years old, but I love you. <laughs> that's, that's how those, those emails come across. But when you think with the end in mind, now it's like, hey, Daryl, notice you didn't click on the video. Hey, you're probably the type that enjoys listening to it in the car. Maybe, maybe not, but here's the audio version, and here's how to throw it right on your iPhone, or here's the podcast version of that same video. And then a day later, you know, hey, here's the written version. Maybe you're a reader. Maybe you read on the treadmill or on the, the bike, the stationary bike. And here's the written version. So so that, that helps. Um, another thing I do is a lot of people have time-sensitive or launch what I call assets. And, the, and like your your buddy, he wants to launch something, or your client, he wants to launch something real quick and get it out and things like that. And oftentimes the mindset is short term, you know, have a launch. And even if the launch is successful, what happens to those assets? They usually go dormant, idle, and, you know, maybe a year later you bring them back, dust them off, change them up, and then launch again or something like that. But me, I'll put that launch in a long-term automated sequence, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously this didn't come overnight. That same little boy at 17 he evolved into thinking like this. But, mm-hmm. you know, I put that, that's called day 60, you know, in one of my sequences. You know, I'm playing basketball with Chris, you know, Chris, and he's like, man, aren't you, aren't you releasing jazz tomorrow? Why, how are you able to be here at midnight at 24 hours fitness playing basketball? I'm like, man, I'm not launching anything tomorrow. He said, no, I got the email. You're launching it, man. What are you talking about? I said, I'm launching it to you, but it's not costing me anything. We're not working on, we're not up late, you know, the, you know, the putting out fires trying to get this thing out because, uh, of the, this this same concept, this same idea. I did launch Jazz, but it was in 2007. Jazz was a great success. All those emails I put out, all the launch content, that's an everlasting, evergreen asset that I can go then put in a sequence uh, for people who take me up on a Jazz lead magnet and you know, put them through the process, build that rapport, build that relationship, give them content, and bam, that 2007 launch is now 2015 launch mm-hmm. for Chris mm-hmm. or for Martha. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that concept. Look at all your assets. You'd be surprised. It, it, you know what I oftentimes will do is, because I've got thousands of broadcasts over the span of 15 years. Um, one shopping cart started mm-hmm. me off. Uh, Infusions off, I've got that. And I'll just go through some of my sent mail. People don't do this. Go through your sent broadcast, and it will bring to light many assets that you just forgot that you had, reports you created for launches, video content you long forgot about. And those things can be rejuvenated, put into active dynamic sequences to be working for you versus just working uh, a finite, you know, um, specified period of time. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's exactly, that's that story of Acres of Diamonds where, you know, the guy, you know, grows up on a farm and he, every night he dreams about discovering some diamond mine and becoming rich and famous. And so when his parents pass away and he inherits the farm, he sells it and travels the world in search of finding this diamond mine. And eight years later, he's back in his hometown. He's broke. He's a little desolate, disgruntled. And he's at this coffee shop that he, or diner that he grew up at. And he's reading the new morning paper eating and he he's realized the guy he sold his, his parents' farm to discovered a diamond mine on the like under the soil, and it's that whole acres of diamonds you don't know what you got um, until it's because you don't look. And so I just love that. And for some of the people again, like because I think this applies to a lot of different businesses. And um, obviously we're talking a lot about internet marketing stuff, but the the, the internet's just a medium because I've done like I've I've worked with people who have a small business and they do some sort of like half off sale or I don't know some sort of sale some sort of promotion it works great and they make all this money they're great what are we going to do now and then they want to create something new you know and it's like well, well wait that worked great why why wouldn't you do it again and if it's a seasonal thing then why don't you just 
do what you did last year, this year, you know, and just like you said, those marketing assets that you have. And so just, just, it's just such a powerful thing. Again, when you say like, just being aware of what are your assets and what are your, what are your, what are your, well, just like you said, differentiating the reality between what is really an asset and what is really a liability. I like that because it was so organic and it came out of necessity. It wasn't because an accountant told you what an expense was. It was because you realized how it was affecting your life. And then you categorize it that way. Cause I think people miscategorize things. Do you have any other habits that have really helped you on your path to success? I mean, because I feel a lot of us, um, I feel even myself, my own business career, a lot of my challenges in business have often been personal development challenges where I had to grow to solve that problem. And you mentioned like the entrepreneur not being the, you know, being a manager, or C-level employee, uh, C-level CEO or CO or whoever, exec- what some sort of executive have there been any habits or anything that you found really helped you be successful? Yeah, when I compare, um, you know, to to other entrepreneurs that I know and uh, and just people I've I've rubbed you know shoulders with, I think uh, really investing the time. Like if if you come over, you know, most people will notice. I own, you know, clearly over a thousand books. Mm-hmm. I can't say I've read all of them, uh, but you know, they're on my list, and uh, and I've read a good number of them. And by golly, I'd rather have books around me than DVDs. So even for nothing but the uh, what do you call osmosis, you know, it's just good. <laughs> it teaches my kids too. My kids grow up seeing all these books. So what do you think that they'll have nostalgia over? I remember going to my dad's office. And there was thousands of books. Nice. They'll probably you know see that and be affected and have have a uh, uh, an urge and desire to read as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you know every answer is is in a book. Um, now, just not any book. Now, I, I know people that say you should read fiction and things like that, and that, that's probably something I could do better at. I could probably, you know, be flexible and open to reading uh, non-business mm-hmm. books and maybe some fiction and things, you know, but I just, I don't know, I can't get into that as much as I can a hardcore marketing or, you know, psychology book or, or something like that, but I think that reading marketing and, and psychology and persuasion just really gave me practical skills to to be a natural salesperson and I use I use that word I'm not afraid to use the word salesperson I remember I I called a, a buddy of mine a salesperson because he's trying to sell me something and I was like dude you're, a, you're you know you're just a salesperson you're not a you know you're not act like a friend and you know he he got mad I, I actually didn't me, I mean, because I call myself a salesperson, but I am not a salesperson, you know. But at, at the end of the day, I don't have a negative um, connotation to sales. Now, you mm. can throw some synonyms in there, and you can rephrase it, and recall it, and re, you know, define it, whatever. But it, at the end of the day, sales, psychology, persuasion, having an affinity towards that, and actually liking it, not just seeing it as an ends to a means, but actually seeing it as a way that. This is how the brain works. This is how you interact with people. If you're at a restaurant and you want the waitress to do something or the waiter to do something special for you, you know, Cialdini talked about a study, you know, like if you want some extra fudge on your Sunday, don't ask for it when you're ordered. You know, you say, hey, can I have this ice cream Sunday right here? You know, this special right here. And then as they turn around and walk away, hey, by the way, can you throw some extra fudge on there for me? And they're likely to say yes there because they've already, you know, taken your first request. There's this commitment and consistency. But if you, like, throw in all your requests in the beginning, they're going to say, ooh, you know, that's going to be an extra 50 cents. That's going to be an extra dollar for that. Is that all right? And then you're going to say yes. So now you pay the extra dollar fifty. But just the order in which you do, I find that fascinating. It's not just marketing and sales and headlines. It's life. It's, it's how to get what you want. You know, just in the in the regular run of the day, you know, because a lot of people are scared of the word no. There are you know, people that are going into a, a an employment interview, you know, taking a college entrance interview or law school interview. You know, th- these books, you know, help you in just the everyday run of run of life. And I think that made a big impact being a reader and just having a depth of knowledge at something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that argument: generalist versus specialist. And I, we know someone in our Facebook group uh, for. for 
for my company, who, who he's a self-proclaimed generalist, and and there's value in that as well. And, and generalists, you know, they they make great consultants because they know a lot. You know, they know a lot of stuff. But I found it very helpful to be a specialist, and not just a specialist in anything, but a specialist in marketing. So I go really, really deep into marketing and my extent of knowledge of marketing. But to be honest, what that does is it makes me very, very surface level and ignorant in other areas. So ask me what sports teams are playing right now. Ask me who's winning, who's on the way to the Super Bowl. Um, I can't tell you. I can't tell you if the Raiders are good. For all I know, they have a perfect rate. You know, you, I don't even know what to call them. They have a perfect, <laughs> but they don't. I just heard that they're like, they won their first or second game. I wouldn't be able to tell you pop culture stuff because I'm so deep and concentrated and focused in what I do. And I just, I, I don't know, my perspective, I just never understood why people are so infatuated with Kobe's life and Kobe's three-point percentage and, you know, the Raiders. People have the Raiders tattooed on their back. I just never understood what gives you that allegiance to something that cannot change your life unless you're that receiver catching that pass, Mm -hmm. you know, and you sign that million-dollar bonus. I've always been infatuated with my own story, creating my own story, and and creating and, and improving the lives of my family and those around me and my constituents and my customers and, and so that gives me a very narrow focus. And to be honest, it's kind of hard to hold a regular conversation with a regular person because I'm deep in one field. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I agree on you. First of all, Jim Rohn said you can't read the book you don't, what is it? The book you don't own, you can't read, and the book you don't read can't help you. And so I fully believe in that. And that's, yeah. And I mean, even if you only read a chapter, at least you got something from that book. And if, again, if you don't have it and you're like, oh, like there's so many times where I pull off a book on the shelf, zoom through the table of contents, find what I need. And that's it. And that might be the only purpose that book serves me. But for 10 bucks, man, that was a great investment. And I know exactly what you mean about osmosis because there's so many nights where I fall asleep in my bed surrounded by books. And I would be like, feel like it's like, you know, like, like sleep learning. It doesn't work, but you know, you just feel that sort of pride. And it's, it's true. I mean, that's in Think and Grow Rich. the 13 principles one is specialized knowledge and that's really that's how you're going to get good at something i mean malcolm gladwell in the book outliers talked about 10,000 hours and as this, you know scientists have determined that 10,000 hours is what it takes to become world class at anything at any sport any profession that no one's born naturally gifted and to put 10,000 hours into something that means you're taking hours away from something else and i have a personal theory that i don't think that there's anything in the world i think there's only two states of existence and that's growth and decay and if you're not growing like when you're studying for a test, you're consuming information about it, your knowledge about that is growing, you take the test, you stop studying, you start forgetting things about it, and it's decaying, and I feel that's part of why specialized knowledge is so important, because it helps you push through and make progress in that direction, and so exactly like you said, surrounding yourself with the books, all that stuff, I just, I'm fully wholeheartedly behind you in that, I forget how I was going to bring up that like interject with the uh, the growth and decay, but I think that's really important because, oh, when you're saying like you don't watch TV and you don't watch sports, when you watch those, the only thing that's growing is that, you know, like your knowledge in that. When I watch 30 hours of a TV show, the only thing that's growing is my knowledge about that TV show. You know, and that's it. And like, if you, if everything we do is energy that's outputting, and then anything you invest that energy in is going to grow. Like, that's the cool thing. Humans are animals. We're also plants. And anything that we focus on grows. Plants just sit there and they wait, and they're subject to their environment. And it's like all they wait for is water, sunlight, and nutrients, and then they start to grow. Humans were different where we can seek those things out and we can and we can give them to other things. And that's exactly like you say, like when you can't hold a conversation with some people, like I can't really talk sports with people. I can, I'm good because I've traveled so much. I can kind of make conversations with everyone, but I've got, well, you've got the same kind of strategy. It's like, yeah, what about the leadership? Or like, what do you think you're like asking those questions, right? But it's just mostly it's getting other people to talk because, yeah, it's it's not, it's not useful. It's not anything. I, I, yeah, it's a really, really good lesson. So, Jay, what are what are some of your big books? What are some of the books that you would recommend to people listening that are like, all right, I'm I'm listening, I'm fully engaged, I really love what these guys are saying. What do what do I like? What do I? I'm I'm itching to buy something. What do I like? What book do I get? Get right. Open, um, I, always, I always order them. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's a number of books. Like, if, if someone's really sold on this idea of, of you know, being being a world class marketer, salesperson, writing compellingly, uh, being able to communicate in ways that make people desire whatever it is, you know, that you want to to persuade them in, or you want to. 
show show in, in, in a great light, you know, right? It could be politics, it could be selling products, it could be services, it could be convincing people to join your team, anywhere where persuasion is needed, you know, people people like Dan Kennedy, uh anything that he 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 authors, I, I just I love Dan Kennedy. Um they're like in the psychology department, there's a professor um Robert Cialdini. Um he wrote the book Influence. Uh, and his his weapons of influence, I believe there's six of them. Yeah. Uh, his his weapons are like I remember when I read that like I don't know eight years ago, and it, it just gave me profound life changing knowledge about just how things work. And you know when someone tries to sell me at the mall, like I I, I feel like I have the scientific <laughs> reasons behind why it's working. Even though I'm a salesman, I'm a marketer, I'm like, why am I being succumbed to this? And I cannot, you know, leave, you know, because, you know, they offered me, you know, some water. And they got on my good side and I, I feel too nice to say no. You know, those things, he, he talks about them. And, I, and not only just, you know, puts them out there, but gives you the sociological research and studies and findings behind it. So I thought that book was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in the personal development, you know, obviously, Think and Grow Rich in some of the classics, but a modern book, um, by Darren Hardy, um, Compound Effect. I really enjoyed that mm. book. Um, yeah, a modern book uh, that kind of really gives a synopsis of personal development. And uh, have you heard of the Magic Penny uh, um, a scenario or example analogy? I should say. No, uh, no where, I haven't. Well, like if you oh, go wait, to someone yes. and say, "Yes, sir. yeah, the one." Yeah. yeah, I got that out of that book, and I was like, yeah, just a simple analogy, but like, would you take $3 million now, or would you take a penny that doubles every day for 31 days? And uh, most people probably would take the $3 million, or they don't want to do the math, because that penny, you know, day two is only worth two pennies, day three is four, and then eight pennies, it's still like by day five, it's only 16 cents, you know, and then like day six, 32 cents, I think like the first week, it's still only like like eight bucks or something like that, and nothing at all, and then you know, by day like twenty, it's you know, it's like three hundred thousand, and then like by day like twenty eight, it's like a million, and then like by twenty nine, it's two million, and then by thirty, it's like four million or something like that, and then by day thirty one, it's like, you know, it doubles. I think it, it gets to about five million. So don't quote me on the exact no, no, day. No. I'm not a walking but database, <laughs> but the concept is thirty one days. That penny turns into like. Five million dollars versus that three, so you almost get a hundred percent difference by going, you know, compoundedly, if and you will. I think that ties uh, into what we talked about with investing your time, like how you love investing your time in books and diving deep in that. I think that compounds in the same way that over your life, you know, like what? That's another Jim Rohn quote: "Like success is just the right habits done every day; failure is the wrong habits done every day." Because you have that compounding effect, almost like the penny doubling. When you were saying that, I was thinking about all the books that I've read, and I'm like, wow, like. Every day, it's just one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. Next thing you know, you've walked 10,000 steps. And it's the same thing with all the books. Like, you, So anyways, I just – sorry, that was my own epiphany as I was buying yeah. as I was buying Darren's book. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. He gives, he gives so many analogies. He's like, you know, even when you talk about just giving that extra inch, like Tiger Woods wins first place, like first place, you know, the winnings might be like, like he might, you know, get $10 million in winnings, but then second place is like only a million. Like this, the difference between first and second is so much difference in reward, but when you actually compare Tiger to like the second place, it's only like one or two strokes that make them different, you know? So it's like that extra stroke, that extra little inch, but then being first, the reward is so much you know, greater, and uh, and then he talks about the trajectory of a plane. If you just like move the nose of a plane, like like five percent, you know, and you leave from California headed east, you end up in Boston or something like that instead of New York, you know. Uh, but I just like the way he used real world analogies. So that's like my modern personal development book. And then, like in a really like database marketing, if any of that stuff uh, appeals to anyone out there, there's a book by Jim Novel called Drilling Down and. That is like the best. It's an $80 book, but think about it like buying a $2,000 course on a discount because that, mm-hmm. that's what I really feel about that, that yeah. book. And so those, those are a couple categories to keep uh, folk, folks busy. But for me, it's usually business, psychology, personal development. And, um, and I, I'm trying to get more into to biographies and things like that because I, I have a lot of them. But uh, 
I don't know. I just like the practical stuff up until now, just uh, nuts and bolts. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. So now, what's um, we've given you've given some awesome content, Jay. Um, thank you so much. What are you What are you doing now? What are you excited about now? What do you have going on? What's What's happening in your world? What's What's new? And what are you What are you building and promoting and well, funny thing you mentioned, um, you know, my four-hour work week. I, I did, I, I, I certainly, like, the last at least three, four years have been, like, a mini-retirement. And I must say, it probably was on purpose, you know, even though I look back and say, oh, man, I'm too young to be, you know, just, you know, working four hours a week or whatever. But I remember reading four-hour work week and being so inspired by that in 2008 when I read it. I remember I was in Las Vegas, you know, we were there for some reason. I was just in the bathtub. I love to read in the bathtub. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this mini retirement thing. And I remember 2010, I closed my office uh, and I went virtual and I didn't want to be tied down anywhere. We closed the office for four years. We mm-hmm. just now brought the office back with a, like a real physical team. Uh, I went through that period. I had kids. I already had one daughter, but we had like two kids in one year. It felt like it was like they're like back-to-back Irish <laughs> twins, you know. In fact, their birthdays are this month. Like they're the same age this week only. Like like they're both four. And then one turns five like on the 15th. So that's crazy. That that all happened in this like four-hour work because if you're not working, you're doing something else. You're playing. Right. And <laughs> so now... What I where I met, you know, I kind of got that out of my system, and it's interesting because um, Tim Ferriss didn't say you retire forever. He says you take time off. What did I do in that time off? I ran a marathon. I lost thirty pounds. I've got my I've doubled my strength. I'm doing CrossFit, so I think I needed you know that four hour work week. But now I'm back to working a little bit more. It's not four hours. I'm I'm calling in from my office here with the live studio, and we're launching what I call Hear and Play You. Uh, you can't really say university if you're not, you know, a mm-hmm. school or college, but I want to call it here and play you. And what that is going to be is a portal, a mainstream portal. My goal is a million members. And that's going to be a mainstream portal similar to how Rosetta Stone would teach language. I want to be that name for teaching music, just playing, not sheet music. You can still go to school for sheet music if you want, but if you just want to play, it doesn't take that long. And I want to have a one-stop shop where you can come, you can choose your instrument, and you can pay a monthly fee for one instrument, or you can pay, you know, the the gold fee and just get all the instruments, so all your children can be on it, and adults, and, mm-hmm. and gospel, and jazz, and blues, and and all instruments, and it'd be the model where we bring in the um, teachers and we do live trainings, mm-hmm. and kind of like Creative Live, Creative Live. Someone gave me that idea, uh, but um, yeah, we we it's a mixture between live training, archive training. And uh, and and uh, like a stratified membership, and this is the one that kind of will culminate because I've done separate training centers. I've done gospel over here in its own island, and jazz over here. But this is going to be one that we can do a mass marketing effort to taking everything I've learned and everything we've been successful at, and really just going forward um, with technology. Our hear and play. I don't know the name of it yet, but right now in my head is hear and playmate. But some people think that sounds too sexy. Uh, you know, but it, it's a software that will revolutionize musicians in the way that they practice and learn their instruments. So, uh, never before, uh, you can connect your keyboard to your computer and learn some things about yourself. You know, like how many notes do you hit in a practice session? And how does that compare to other musicians? How many notes do they hit when they practice? Maybe I need to step it up. How many chords do you hit? How many recognized chords? How many new chords do you hit? You know, do you know how to play in this key? How fast do you play on average in your practice session? Like, it'll be like an analytical tool, but it'll be like a social tool so i'm very excited about that so you know we're trying to move and shake and make some things happen you know going into the new year and uh and i'm very excited about um you know, bringing the office back and kind of getting out of my uh my mini retirement if you will well i think it's an organic thing honestly i think that we all go through phases just like seasons and you you did man you were so i, I knew you before and now like you are so jack compared to you before 
Um, that is awesome. So what about Automation Clinic? I know, can we send people, I want to mention that because I know people listening to this, if they're business owners in that, I mean, obviously, go to hearandplay.com and I, just just even witness Jermaine's marketing and just to see it and to learn how to play music. And for our music fans, Jermaine's, you know, world-renowned for a reason because he's just phenomenally good at what he's done, inch-wide, mile-deep, as we just talked about. But for other people as well, you definitely would want to check out automationclinic.com just to learn some of the tricks and ninja stuff that he does because what Jermaine just mentioned, again, I don't even think he really realizes it, but he talks about this like software that he's coming out with. He is so good with the tech side of stuff, and he breaks it down so simplistically, and he has a bunch of tools that you can use. I would just strongly encourage you to just check it out. Again, even if only for the free stuff, go to automationclinic.com, hearandplay.com. Um, yeah, Jay, is there any other way they can get a hold of you? Or just those are the, probably the best ones. Yeah, those are good. And then if, if um, for the business side of things or if I said something to tickle your ear, you know, as it relates to, to automation or just you know, setting up leverageable systems, I do have a, a free video sequence. There's four videos, so one, one after the other, at automationvideos.com. Again, automationvideos.com. And there you can uh, you can see some things to get you going uh, as it relates to, to setting up repeatable processes in your business, setting up systematic processes, you know, having things work for you, having you know emails go out at opportune moments, you know, having expiring offers and one click upsells, and I mean we got Christmas cards going out. How to just have all this stuff? I call it circular marketing. How to just surround your customers with different multi-channels and modalities because most people are only using one. They're using email, but there's at least 15 other ways uh, to surround your, your customers. I mean, just yesterday, my cell phone was going off because, you know, people are replying to their Monday Music Minute text message. That's a three-year program of a, a free text message that goes out every Monday that I set up five years ago, but you get on it, you get a text message from me until, you know, well into the future, you know, automatically. That's just one of the 15 ways, right? So we're, we're in their purse, we're in their pocket, we're in their email, we're on their phone, we're in their mailbox, we're a part of their birthday, we're on their mantle because of the Christmas card, we're in their coffee because we send gift cards, we're everywhere. We want, you know, we want to be front of mind. We want to be in their conversation uh, that they're having. So automation videos will tell you how to do all that stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jermaine, thank you so much. I value and appreciate you as a mentor, as a friend, and as just a role model of what's possible when someone really just focuses and dedicates himself to business. Um, you gave some really good lessons here just through your own story and your own example. You're just a phenomenal human being, and uh, just thank you for joining us today. Hey, the pleasure was mine, Daryl. Thank you, and I, I hope your, your audience uh, gets something out of this. Mm. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, you're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.